Pig farming is insanity! Exclamation point. Pigs are useless at farming. Yeah, that's the breaking news. Hey, this is Touch Vision's It's All True podcast, powered by America's second favorite source for fake news, thewhiskeyjournal.com. I'm your host, Tim Barnes, and you just heard a fake news headline from Eddie Izzard. Each week I chat with a guest and then ask them to reveal their own headline for a funny personal true story. In this episode, I chat with comedian Hari Kandavalu. I don't think it's wrong to talk about race. I, don't, I certainly don't think it's wrong to talk about your experience. We talk about his comedic influences, and he tells the true story of college love and loss. All of this coming up, but first, let's hear some of Hari Kandavalu's jokes. I'm obsessed with race. You're obsessed with race. You're obsessed with racism. You can't be obsessed with race in America. There's racist stuff that happens all the time. You can't be, be saying that I'm obsessed with race and racism in America is like saying I'm obsessed with swimming when I'm drowning. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's absurd. I'm not the one who's obsessed. This country is obsessed. I hear about the year 2042 all the time on the news. 2042, for those of you who don't know, 2042 apparently, according to census figures, is the year that white people will be the minority in this country, right? White people will be 49% in 2042. And I don't know if there are people in this audience that are upset by this, but don't worry, white people. You were the minority when you came to this country. (laughs) Things seem to have worked out for you, right? But here's the bigger point. Here's the more important point. 49% doesn't make you the minority, right? That's not how math works, right? 49% white only makes you the minority if you think the other 51% are exactly the same. That only works if you think, well, it's 49% white people and 51% you people. That's the only way. That was comedian Hari Kondabolu. His debut stand-up album, Waiting for 2042, is available through the indie rock label Kill Rock Stars. I talked to Hari near the end of his tour for the album, and he seemed pretty exhausted. Boston from Portland, I started to get a little tired because it's cross-country, and then down to Philly, I was a little out of it, did the show, and then I went to St. Louis, turbulent flight, that really threw me. Because each time there's a turbulent flight, I'm like, I assume that's it. (laughs) I'm like, that's it. And the the thing I think about is... uh, what was my last tweet? Oh, no. <laughs> was it a bad one? Yeah, well, it's like, that's the one. did it get? You spend your whole life trying to build something, and whatever your last tweet is is your legacy. <laughs> are it's you... like, was that Miley Cyrus tweet the last thing people are going to read for me? That was my best one? Really? Is okay. a Twitter pretty useful for you? Because for, for me, like, I don't have a notebook. My Twitter yeah. is my notebook. Um, I think I think you're better off. I think, well, well I don't know. It's, it's two different things. I think Twitter is a survey. And you get a general sense of what people are enjoying and whether you you have confidence in a premise. But ultimately, you know, I feel like I get lazy and comfortable with, oh, I just got 40 retweets and 30 likes. And that's not real. It's well, not. Because you, you'll real. go on stage and you'll say that tweet and get nothing. You like made it's... somebody smile possibly, maybe. Right. And yeah. when you're on stage, you actually know, is it something that can be translated? And also, does it need more context? Or yeah. am I setting it up right? And when you're writing in a notebook, you start to imagine what it would sound like and you could fill it in. But when you have 140 characters, you're not thinking about it because you're not thinking about the next tweet relating to the previous tweet. I feel like it's a good premise build. That's what it is, a premise builder. It lets you think, okay, if people find this idea funny, how do I make a longer concept funny? So at least it gets you started. Um, so that's why I like Twitter, but I think it really does mess with your head. And I've, I've gotten a pen and notebook and started trying to do that again, which is great. That's one thing I will say about flying since uh, you know 
I don't want to pay for internet on the flight. I can't be <laughs> online. I'm I'm writing. I'm writing again. And I love that. I love the fact I have a notebook and a pen and I'm writing. And I'm thinking even about old jokes I'd given up on or old <laughs> tweets that were just premises that I never – I'm like, oh, I'll just go back on my Twitter feed and figure out what the funny premises are. And I never do. Yeah, you never do. You never do. <laughs> and it's not easy to like – you know, they don't make it easy for you to look at your archives yeah. necessarily. So – yeah, I mean, I think you have to be careful because then you, you get into the habit of writing one-liners. And if that's not what you want, which is not – it's not what I want. It's not what I do, I, don't, I think, particularly well. Um, it, it really messes with your style. Uh, mm. Speaking of your style, uh, the first time I ever heard of you, one of my uh, good friends, a comedian named Odinaka, we were, bo- we're oh, both – Oh, man. You know, you know, you know from, Ad- from Atlanta? Yeah. Oh, that oh, dude's awesome. great, man. So, yeah, he's he's very <laughs> kind to me. I appreciate him. Awesome. Yeah, we're both huge Richard Pryor fans. Yeah. We'll, like, geek out about it. And I, so I started reading Paul Mooney's book, uh, oh. Black is the New White. Oh, Paul and Mooney. as soon as I, like, handed it to him because he'd never read it, he, yeah, just, yeah. he said, have you ever heard of Hari Kondabolu? I looked you up, and yeah. I didn't necessarily see the influence. Two comics that really uh, – I get a lot, like a lot of inspiration from are Stuart Lee and Paul Mooney. Stuart Lee's a British comic, kind of a long form style. But it is the hardest job in the world, um, stand up comedy. It's also an art form. I would like to think historically, uh, stand up comedy was one of the great American art forms, one of the great indigenous American art forms of the twentieth century, along with uh, jazz and comic books and the senseless high school massacre. And I think the way he sounds almost academic at times, I think I have a lot, I've had that for years and seeing him perform, it felt like, oh, it's okay to have that, you know, <laughs> like you can make that work. And Mooney, I just love how aggressive he is. Because, you know, white folks are sensitive. They're like little white rabbits. They'll get the fuck out of a place, you know that. Then you got and I love the fact that he will walk people and he's okay with that. Look at this white woman. Don't stare at me like that. This white lady, look how you're looking at me. I have jungle eyes. I don't miss you are staring at me like I've landed from the planet Negatoris. You should see your face. He's so blunt about it. And seeing Mooney do stand-up in Washington, D.C. when I was, like, 20, like, changed my life. It changed the way I talk about race in general, like, with other humans and not being afraid to say what I am feeling and also to be on stage and, and be fearless. What was your comedy like when you started compared sure. to taking that leap to being comfortable talking about race for most comics, I think your first goal is to make people laugh at the end, you know, and the idea of having a voice and saying anything is secondary. And especially I started when I was 17 in high school. I didn't have a voice. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was mostly like ripping off other people's jokes, basically. I mean, I was 17. I was like, this is basically a Margaret Cho joke with Indian in it. This <laughs> oh, is gotcha. basically a Chris Rock joke with Indian in it. Well, it's like, yeah, for me, it was the thing where I, I didn't talk about race at first. Yeah. And so I always felt like, Especially, like, I started, like, a couple years ago. So is there the elephant in the room about race? Well, I feel like, again, it's gotten better, but but initially I think there was a lot of confusion about, I'm on stage, I sound the way I sound, talk about the things I talk about. He's like, how come he's not dressing the fact he's Indian? How come he's not using an accent? How come he's not doing anything we expect him to do? Honestly, it's getting a lot better. I mean, between Aziz and Mindy Kaling and a generation getting older and, you know, Aparna and Cherla, there's so many different people that you see that are doing unique things and, and – uh, that, that on, on my end, I feel like it has gotten uh, a lot better. But initially, you know, uh, when I started, it was like 2000, probably 2001, and high school and college, and it was a lot of accents. I was doing a lot of, like, my parents, like, mock, mocking them in the most basic ways and um, using my ethnicity, I would say, like a crutch. Like, I'll always have it to make fun of. And I, I don't think it's wrong to talk about race. I, don't, I certainly don't think it's wrong to talk about your experience but I don't think I was doing that. I think I was being dishonest and I was using it in a fake way, in a way that like 
I know they're going to laugh because if I kind of tokenize myself in this yeah. way, if I kind of simplify my experience, they'll laugh. Because if I actually delved into like how complicated it is, it would be a lot harder to make them laugh. And I think I realized, no, but that's more rewarding if you dig a little deeper. And also seeing Mooney taught me that, you know, because at a certain point, like I was a different person, like especially after 9-11, I was a more politicized person. And I think I had a lot of things I wanted to say and a lot of things I was writing and I wanted to make funny. And I was afraid to. It's All True is all about getting to know great artists and hearing their stories. In each episode, I ask my guests to tell a story that's funny, true, and personal. But before that, I need to know what the headline is. Here's the headline that Hari came up with. Race to Nowhere. That's not a good headline. I don't, I'm not, there's a reason I don't write for the onion. Uh, 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 a minority hits white girl with bike lives to tell the story. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, is this in New York? This was in Maine. Okay. I was a, I was a college student in Maine and I, I had a bicycle and I'd ride to class and I was, I was running late and I was riding pretty quick and there was this like kind of a narrow section between two buildings and um, there was there's a woman in front of me, and uh, I should have hit my bell, but I felt like it would be rude, which is a strange thing to do. <laughs> like it's rude if I hit if I hit this bell and alert her that I'm coming. I just assumed, oh, she'll probably hear me, and she didn't. And I slammed in back of her with my bike. She hits the ground. I hit the ground. The bike's on the ground. And I'm like, oh, I just hit a white woman with a bicycle. <laughs> I love that. Uh, first thought. First thought. White like, woman. Uh, well, it's, 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 you know, it's in Maine. I went to college in Maine. Uh, there aren't that, especially this is the, you know, 2000, 2000, fewer minorities. I'm very race conscious. I'm like, this is weird. This is weird. And I immediately start apologizing. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm just apologizing. She's like, it's okay. It's okay. It's like you know, I'm like I'm like I was racing the class. I was late to class, and and I you know I wasn't paying attention. And, and she said, "Well, you better get going now. You're going to be even later." And I'm like, "That's the sweetest thing." <laughs> and like young Hari Kondabolu at that point immediately gets the class and is thinking, "I wonder if I'm supposed to marry her." <laughs> I wonder if that's the story. That's the that's the romantic comedy in my head. Like that's what's supposed to happen next. So I have to find this woman. And uh, it was <laughs> the story's. I, remember, I know where the story's going, and I'm realizing this is terrible. Um, she was a bl- blonde white woman, and I went to Bowdoin College, small liberal arts college in Maine, where there are many blonde white women <laughs> that went to her college. And I didn't get a great look at her face, and I don't r- really uh, remember details. Was there, there was Facebook at the time? This is pre Facebook. Oh, wow. Pre Facebook. And so I was asking every blonde white woman that I thought was her, did I hit you with a bike? <laughs> And they would say no, and I'm like, sorry about this. So there's this weird and mix you of just walk away, walk away. So there's this weird mix of racial profiling. They all know it's me. But it's not like there's another Indian dude that looks like me. They know this, that kid keeps asking me. This is my sophomore year of college, and uh, it keeps happening. Keep asking. Like four months go by, and I'm in the uh, the dining hall, and I see uh, this blonde white woman, and I was like, she looks so familiar. And I just had this moment where I think it's her. And so I go up to her and I'm like, excuse me, miss, did I hit you with a bicycle? They run into you with a bicycle like uh, like four months ago. And she said, actually, you asked me that three months ago. No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, that, that wasn't one of my finest uh, moments. So you never found the lady? Well, it's strange. My, my neighbor, I was telling my neighbor this story, uh, uh, you know, uh, my uh, in my residence hall and uh 
she looked at me like, oh, my God, you're the maniac who hit Kate. <laughs> I'm like, who's, who's, what are you talking about? And I guess that was her, like, uh, she was on her lacrosse team. This woman had come into class and and said, like, yeah, it was so weird. This this Indian dude just hit me with a bicycle, and he was late. To, it was so strange. And we're like, oh, I wonder who it was. It was you. <laughs> <laughs> and part of me was kind of like, it's weird that you describe me as an Indian dude. Why is why is race necessary in this? And at the same time, I'm like, I've been asking random white women if I hit them with a bike. So look, there are no winners here. There's no heroes. <laughs> just a sad story. And, and did uh, you ever ask her out? Or no, 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 no. I, ne- I, I never saw her again. Out. Actually, oh wow. I still, I still, I. If she walked in right now, still wouldn't know if it was her. <laughs> Terrible. I didn't get a good look at her face. I have no idea. This is pre-Facebook. So, Kate, if you're out there. Kate, I, uh, sorry again about the bike. Uh, also, uh, I'm not single. I'm sorry. We had our moment. <laughs> you didn't take it. When I hit you with a bike, that was clearly a clue. <laughs> this is this is it. That's how, that's, I, that's how I literally hit on women. I just literally just <laughs> hit them with a bike. Awful. And that's the show. For more updates on Hari, visit harikondabolu.com. It's All True is a production of Touch Vision. And for more info on intimate, people-centered stories about the world we live in, visit touchvision.com today. This episode of It's All True was originally produced at WBEZ Chicago with production help from Joe Dessau. If you dig the show, please subscribe to It's All True in iTunes and leave a review. My Twitter handle is TimBarnes451, and you can follow the show at All True Podcast. This is Tim Barnes signing off saying, I believe in you.